the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to spiritual gifts, we must do our part. We must figure out what our gift is. We must serve. We must use our gift. We must get involved, but it only works because God is doing His part. Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen. Next is prophecy. Prophecy literally means to speak forth. And as a spiritual gift is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course, when we hear prophet or prophecy, that's what first comes to mind. The Old Testament prophets who received direct revelation from God and then delivered it verbatim to his people, Israel. The person with the gift would receive, then communicate direct and specific messages from God. These were intelligible messages that were delivered orally. The purpose was to build up, encourage, and comfort the people. We see that in chapter 14, verse 3. Although some believe and argue that the gift of prophecy still exists today in the sense that anyone who is gifted in speaking forth the truth, so pastors, Bible teachers, preachers, the difference is that modern preachers, such as myself, speak from the completed Scriptures, whereas the one with the gift of prophecy was given direct revelation from God. Next, distinguishing of spirits. This spiritual gift actually goes hand-in-hand with the gift of prophecy. It is discerning or determining whether something someone says is truly from the Holy Spirit or from somewhere else, namely a human spirit, or his own mind, or even a deceiving evil spirit, which we have examples of in the New Testament and Old Testament. This gift would be a a check on the one who is prophesying or claiming to prophesy. So then you had someone who had the, the spiritual gift of the discerning of spirits and can say, yes, this is from the Lord, what he is saying. Because in 1 Timothy 4.1 and 1 John 4.1, We are told of deceiving spirits that some will fall away to them. They will believe them. These deceptions can be very convincing and possibly even sway true Christians. So the gift of distinguishing spirits was very important in a time when there was the gift of prophecy. Because you can see how someone who is trying to make a quick buck, not unlike many people today on the television, would say, well, if this gift exists, hey... Let me go to that church and see if I can convince them that I have that gift. I'm speaking from God and they should all follow me. 
And so there was checks and balances, as we'll see with other spiritual gifts in a moment, where you had someone who could discern whether it was from the Holy Spirit or from a deceiving spirit. And especially with the gift of prophecy being held up so highly by Paul, and rightly so, as we'll see in the rest of this series, it was equally important that the words were tested and evaluated so as to make sure the intended purpose of helping the church was achieved. We need people with discernment today, but again, we don't need the spiritual gift because you can just say, well, let's see if what Pastor Roger was saying was true. Just click or open to the passage. Again, the New Testament, the completed Scriptures, makes a lot of difference for whether these gifts are necessary today or not. As a side note, as I mentioned, this is a good reminder of the need for discernment today but also a good reminder of the power and allure of deceiving spirits. With the way the world is today, really we don't need a demon to try to sway us. Our own sin can crave the allures of the world as it seeks to conform us. Why deceive us into following a false Messiah when it is enough that we just follow the checkbook? or whatever it may be, the popularity. Our next spiritual gift is the gift of tongues. Probably the most well-known, yet most unknown of the spiritual gifts. What in the world do I mean by that? It's the most talked about in the church today, especially among those we call charismatics, but unknown in that what most are talking about is not actually the gift of tongues if you compare it to what the Scriptures tell us. Again, we'll get into this more in uh, chapter 14 because Paul directly tells them how the gift of tongues or any of the spiritual gifts were to be exercised. But the gift of tongues was the ability to speak natural human languages. Not gibberish, not ecstatic verbiage. What I mean is not going into a trance eyes roll to the back of your head, you start rolling on the ground, and in some sort of emotional flood, just speaking gibberish. This spiritual gift was to be done under control. It was not to disrupt a church service and not to be exercised if there was nobody there to interpret If you have ever witnessed someone claiming to speak in tongues, especially in a church service, you know that immediately they have violated those two. I'm not making this up. It's clearly stated in chapter 14. Interestingly, this is also the spiritual gift that the Corinthians are most abusing, much like today except today they aren't really practicing the biblical gift of tongues. These people actually had the gift of tongues. The people doing it today don't even have a close imitation of it. And I do want to make a very clear side note. The majority of Christians or professing Christians that are practicing incorrectly the gift of tongues are never doing it with any malcontent or ill will. They just don't know. That's what they have been taught. That's what they believe. 
Some of them have been told that unless they speak in the gift of tongues or speak in tongues, regardless of profession of faith, they will not go to heaven when they die. I know of a friend whose mother was in the charismatic church who on her deathbed, faithful Christian for years, bed, her charismatic pastor said, if in a few minutes you die, you will not go to heaven because you have yet to speak in tongues. Grossly abused. Okay? But again, they're misled. And depending on how they grew up and how they were trained, there are many pastors who just don't know. And my point is, even if they are doing it with ill will, we need to have compassion. We are not to judge. We are to love them. We are to share the gospel when necessary. But back to our text. Just like the gifts of healing was not about a well-educated physician, so the gift of tongues was not about a gifted linguist, someone who picked up languages very easily. It was a supernatural, spirit-empowered ability to speak in another existing human language that the speaker does not know. Not learned a few phrases and kind of working their way through it. Oh, this is similar to to a language that I've learned and I can share the gospel kind of through it, like Spanish and Italian, something like that. No, they, they knew nothing of it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they were speaking and preaching fluently in another language. As such, it was important that there was someone there who had the spiritual gift of interpretation of tongues, as we see next. Again, this is a spiritual gift So more than just someone who happens to speak the language or someone who's a great linguist, this is someone who has the God-given superhuman ability to interpret a language that is unknown to him or her. And so the person speaks in tongues. Chapter 14 says, you are only to do it if it's to build up the body and if there's an interpreter. Why? Because the whole point was to share the gospel or to encourage the church. And what's the point if we're all speaking I can't think of a language that not one person here knows. I almost said Russian, but we have two or three people who speak Russian. So Swahili, is that safe? What's the point if I start preaching in Swahili and no one's here to say, here, here, here's what he's saying? But you get the point here with the spiritual gift. Although the speech in utilizing the gift of tongues was to be directed to God, it still had its purpose of edifying other believers Much like when I pray in a few minutes, I will pray out loud to God, but out loud for the edification of the whole church for your benefit. So without an interpreter, the gift was not to be exercised out loud. 14.28 makes that very clear. All that to say, even if those who claim to speak in tongues today truly had the gift of tongues, which they aren't and they don't, they are exercising them incorrectly when speaking in a place where nobody is interpreting or if many are doing it at the same time, especially if they are disrupting a church service or any gathering, and especially if they are not speaking another known language that exists in society or in the world today. And again, we'll talk more about this in chapter 14 where all of these rules are found. 
So we have nine gifts that he lists. Again, not all the gifts are listed here and most no longer given by the Spirit to believers. But again, it's important that we are aware of these spiritual gifts. It's in Scripture. We need to know the Word, even if some are no longer operative. But there's a couple other reasons I want to give you why it's important to study these or know these. The first is to worship. Always to worship. Everything we learn from Scripture is to worship. We worship because we see the goodness of God and His provision. We worship in response to the infinite wisdom of God and His plan for the church. More to Paul's point, we worship because of the variety, knowing that God's plan was not just to cookie-cutter all of us. He is not so ill-informed and unwise that He just picks one thing and uses it for all eternity. He understands human nature. He sees the history of the world. I mean, it's the same thing. We can look at history. We can look at a time when people used things, built things, the industrial age, factories that would be severely outdated today, but we can look back and say, wow, that's amazing. Wow, that guy, Tesla was amazing. Edison was amazing. That country was, is incredible. Their history, our history. But none of that exists anymore. And the technology either no longer exists or it is so far gone that you couldn't even connect it back to this individual and his invention. But that cell phone wouldn't exist today without that proverbial key tied to a kite in a lightning storm. And in the same way, though, they may not exist today. We can look back and praise and worship God and say, wow, look what He used back then. Look what He did. And if you didn't already know about this as you're reading this, you could almost say, like, what's He going to do? How are people going to believe this message? The, The disciples were cowering and hiding, scared that they would be imprisoned or crucified too. How's He going to do it? Oh, miraculous gifts. Miraculous gifts to help establish the church. I would never would have thought of that. But God did and used those. The second way we can respond is to respond with action. We've seen in this in the previous verses and we'll see it again. We need to understand that every single one of us is part of that wisdom, part of that provision, part of that variety, but for a reason, for a purpose, for a goal. The building up of the body of Jesus Christ, the church. The church. That's part of His plan. To give us the privilege to be used, to serve one another, there's a reason. We're looking at two operational components of spiritual gifts. We've seen the diversity of spiritual gifts. And now the dominion of spiritual gifts. The dominion of spiritual gifts. Verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. In verse 11, One and the same Spirit works all these things. The same Spirit who gave one gift to one person and a different gift to another, borrowing the vocabulary of verses 9 and 10, works these gifts in the church. 
This goes back to the varieties of effects we saw in verse 6. And here Paul is saying it is the Spirit who works in and energizes our spiritual gifts, reminding us that they are indeed supernatural and reminding us they are indeed to be used. I want to do something for you here to go big picture. I want to connect this principle to the working out of our salvation. It doesn't get much bigger, practically speaking, than this. In Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, has that well-known passage, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Christian, believer, you, do it. Work hard. Strive. Put in the effort. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We would all be toast without verse 13, which says, for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. It is a partnership. We are to work out our salvation, but that is more than repenting of sin and learning more about God. It is putting in the effort to obey, to serve. That is a critical component. And what Paul tells us in Philippians is that we must do our part, but it only works because God is working through us for His good pleasure. In the same way, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we must do our part. We must figure out what our gift is. We must serve. We must use our gift. We must get involved, but it only works because God is doing His part. And whether we're talking about sanctification as a whole or spiritual gifts in particular, both the call to perform... And the promise of God's help are undeniable reasons to use your spiritual gift. Paul closes verse 11 with a fact that we have talked about much already. The Holy Spirit distributes as He wills, and He distributes to each one. Each one individually, it says in the NAS. What that means is not one Christian has all the gifts, And not one Christian is without a gift. Each one individually. When we were going through verses 8 through 10 in our last point, you probably noticed the pattern. Through the Spirit. According to the Spirit. By the Spirit. Again, the emphasis in all of these is that God is in control, and specifically this Holy Spirit, of who gets what gift. God is in control. He chooses. This is the norm. He does not sway from this. He determines, then He distributes, and then He empowers. We've seen all of these truths before. And again, at the end of verse 11, just as He wills. What does this mean? The distribution of the gifts as He wills is positively a cause for worship, a cause for gratitude, a cause for praise, and negatively, no place for any complaint, any envy, or any boasting because He gives as He wills. It's His choice. And so with that understanding, and that's key, you see, 
to what Paul is addressing with the Corinthians. This is why he keeps focusing on the variety and the sovereignty of God. He's basically saying, what are you doing bragging about your spiritual gift and making others with a seemingly lesser gift, less miraculous perhaps, less public perhaps, and making them feel like a lesser Christian. You didn't choose that. You didn't earn it. And even within His sovereignty of giving you that gift, now you're abusing it by getting cocky and boasting and making others envious because of your words. Not because of their own sin, because you're telling them they should be envious. And so you see in the context why Paul keeps emphasizing these things. Same thing for us. We shouldn't be envious. We shouldn't complain about our spiritual gift. We shouldn't complain about other spiritual gifts. And we should be humble. And you understand that within the Christian life, what humility is, right? considering, considering others more important than yourselves, considering others' needs in addition to your own. We have the perfect example in the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, but there it is. The perfect example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see His hu- humility not just in the crucifixion. We see His humility as recorded for us in three and a half, three and a half years or so of ministry in which He came not to be served, but to serve. Humility in the Christian life, humility in the Bible, in other words, humility as God has defined it for us and expects of us, is undeniably connected with service. To not serve is the opposite of humility. Because why don't you serve? My comfort, my time, my money, my car, my presence, my I, I do what I want. Service is others. Service is often ungrateful. Service costs money and way more important and valuable time, which you can never earn back. Time and money that the people you serve may not recognize or care about. It takes great humility to serve, and service will instill in you even more humility. But it's a wonderful thing because we get to be Christ-like and then you will get to a point where you're so humble in service that when you start removing from your mind our world's fascination with accolades and self, uh, self-entitlement, when you can do that and you just give yourself of others, almost like getting knocked, having the wind knocked out of you, whipped back against the wall, filled with incredible peace and joy. Then you figured it out. Then you got it. That's the Christian life. That's Christ-likeness to give up so much that you're so afraid that you're going to go into a deep depression 
but instead you are lifted to the highest heavens, as it were, filled with joy. And God doesn't leave us to our own. He gives you a supernatural ability within the parameters of how He desires us to live to serve one another. It's a beautiful thing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the variety and in Your wisdom, even instilling, us differences, instilling in us differences so that we could be humble and rely on one another and know others rely on us all according to Your grace. Thank You for Your wisdom in how You established the church, how You made Yourself known to give human beings unheard of abilities And Lord, we're thankful that today we still have spiritual gifts that are empowered by you. Pray that we would use them. Pray that we would serve. Help us to be humble. Help us to seek out needs. Lord, thank you so much for this privilege. Lord, we're so amazed sometimes that we have the privilege of working for a certain family member or just be a part of a well-known company. And yet, Lord, you have given us the privilege of serving the creator of them all. May we not take that lightly. Use us through our spiritual gifts and service for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live-streamed services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.